Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing, and hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthy is hot life. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I've definitely heard about mindful meditation and mindful eating, but something that this week's guest has taught me about is mindful music. So Allie Walker has been doing this thing for 10 years now. She moved to Toronto from PEI at the age of 19, 10 years ago, and she's finally at a place where she feels really confident about the music she's putting out, and that's because it's mindful music. She's also calling it conscious country. So no longer singing about boys, booze, and breakups. Now she's talking about things that she's actually been going through in her life we're talking mental health empowering messages lessons she's learned through life and tough questions we often ask ourselves so this was a really interesting one because I've always been a fan of music and the power and the impact it can have on your life but talking to her has really kind of made me look at music a little bit differently looking at the messages looking at you know what the artist has been going through and they were writing their music so very excited for that to drop that's dropping September 13th but she's got a bunch of tracks out already so of course we talk music we also talk about you know, her struggles with anxiety and how it affected the ability for her to eat food in public. For many years, she couldn't eat food in front of everybody. It was really just such an anxious experience for her that she would just constantly be throwing up. That would be before a big show when she was on a date or just hanging out with friends. And she's at a place now where that doesn't happen anymore. So good job. All right, let's get into it. This week's episode of the Healthiest Hot Podcast welcomes Allie Walker. Okay, amazing. We're on a pretty cute pink couch right now. Mm-hmm. It's raining outside. It's super gray. Mm-hmm. You had a tough day. I just flew in. Yeah, I already cried several <laughs> times. I cried the second I met you. <laughs> that happens. I don't know what happens. Oh. I, cr- I think it's because I cry all the time. So I think energetically people look at me and they're like, well, I feel like she's going to get this. You know what? Okay, so you you posted really vulnerably. vulnerably is that That's a, a hard word. word. Wow. Vulnerable. Vulnerably. Um, I'll leave it at that. At uh, <laughs> when you were having an anxiety attack going to the Raptors parade. Girl. And I was like, oh my God. First of all, that makes you extremely relatable because all of us go through that. Mm. But it just made me, you know, like dive deeper into you and your world because you let us in when you did that. Oh, that it was the, I thought I was going to die that day. Well, yeah. I've experienced anxiety. I don't think I really knew what it was called growing up. Me neither. Like I just, because, and especially because I, I'm like, I consider myself an introverted extrovert. So Me too. when the time requires it, I can be extroverted, especially in work. And I like public speaking, but yet I'm also mm-hmm. very introverted. And then I always had these two sides of me that kind of battled. And then underlying it was a lot of anxiety, which I didn't think anyone else experienced. I was like, maybe I'm just being a baby. Like maybe I'm just feeling nervous. Story and of my life. Literally. Oh. And I don't even, I don't remember when I first kind of learned about it and thought, hmm, maybe this is what I'm struggling with. But that day, that Raptors parade, I've never experienced anxiety like that in my life. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to die. I did not think 
I was going to get through that crowd. So essentially, for anyone who didn't hear about it, it was the Raptors won, Toronto was celebrating. It was a very momentous occasion for the city. So the city decided to do this big parade. And they predicted a lot of people would come, but I don't think they realized the enormity of crowds that would show up. Terrifying. And us being eTalk, we love, you know, supporting the city, supporting Canada. And we were like, we got to cover this. So we had to go to Nathan Phillips Square, which is where the big celebration was. And we had to go on to this elevated podium where all the media crews were. Cool in theory, except when we started walking over at 11, we thought we'd be able to get through the crowds. Mm -hmm. It was myself and Tracy, another host on eTalk, and then our two camera guys who are like tall, burly men with huge cameras on their shoulder. And they're like, we'll make sure you girls get there. Like, we'll stick together as a crowd and as a crew and immediately I was anxious as soon as we left the building and if there's no pedestrian traffic and it's a normal day it probably takes like 10 minutes to get from the office to where we needed oh, to yeah. go so Super not close. that far so in my mind I had mentally told myself like okay it's not very far yes there's gonna be a lot of people but like you got this you've got your team they all know how like I told them all I was like hey I'm feeling really really anxious about this I don't like being in crowds and they looked me in the eye and they said, it's okay, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. So already I was feeling anxious before I even left the doors. Mm -hmm. And then as we cross university, at this point we still have a couple blocks to go, it's just gridlock of people. And we start going through the crowd and going through the crowd until at one point there was nowhere else to go, Allie. No. And people were pushing us in every which way, and it wasn't anyone's fault, to the point where my feet actually lifted off of the ground and I was levitating and moving with the crowd oh and my at God. that point I you just, can't get out You're I couldn't trapped. get out I couldn't get out I tried to get my phone to call my boyfriend or just to text him to be like I'm gonna die here like that's yeah. it I love you and just to like feel like I could be connected to someone real someone who could make me feel like my feet were somewhat physically on the ground and I couldn't even move my hands like and all of a sudden the, whatever positive thoughts I was telling myself just went out the window and I could only think to myself, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is where I'm going to die. I'm stuck here. I'm going to get trampled um, and have an asthma attack. And then lo and behold, I have a full blown asthma attack in the crowd. And <sighs> this girl like zones in on me. I've never met her in my life. And she was like, are you f like having an attack right now? I was like, I don't know what's happening. I was like, but I can't breathe. I'm going to pass out. Like I need to leave. I need to leave. And I was talking 5,000 miles a minute and my mm -hmm. vision started to go. Like I wasn't seeing anymore. And I don't know what this girl did, but she just made me look into her eyes. Even if I couldn't, like, see clearly, she, like, forced me to breathe with her. Wow. And she basically just, like, gave me a bear hug and made me feel like at least if I was being squished, I was being squished by, like, this one person. And I have no idea who Who's she this is. Who's this angel? I've never, like, seen her again, but she did not have to do that. She fully lost her group of friends because she was being so kind to me. Oh, my gosh. And by the time we got to the other side like where you could finally walk and breathe it was the most intense high I've ever felt in my life because I truly believed that's where my life was gonna end was in that crowd yeah and then to have gotten through it and to be able to move my arms and walk freely and breathe air it was exhilarating but terrifying when you have an anxiety attack that's not in a situation like that that's what it feels like you were living like what an actual nightmare anxiety attack is like even if you're just in your car by yeah. yourself like you were actually living it and then when someone came and hugged you that's like when you call your friend or whatever yeah. and they totally you know talk you out of it like that that's a full real life like like mental symptoms oh. and physical yeah. symptoms all together in one i know and it it really 
I think I'm a pretty open-minded person when it comes to mental health and how people struggle differently. But that experience really took it to a whole new level Mm -hmm. where I was just like, we need to be more open about mental health and we need to be more understanding when people have um, symptoms that come to Mm -hmm. light, even if we don't understand them. Because they can come fast and furious and they can be incredibly debilitating. Oh, for sure. And by you posting that it made so many other people even if you if i'm sure people commented yeah. and messaged you but so many people feel like holy crap i'm not alone i mean have you experienced that level where you just like i'm so trapped right now um i have in the last few years i i had anxiety my whole life just like you and i didn't know what it was called i thought i just had an issue with food but and it wasn't that um you know i had any like bulimia or anything but i couldn't eat around people and growing up, I would go to my friend's house and I was so, I guess it was, I called it nervous yeah. that, but it is, I mean, it's your nervous system was just totally shot and I couldn't eat at all. And, and it was the first day of school or the first day of basketball camp. I was just in the bathroom throwing up at all times. And that has come all the way to my adult life Oh my gosh! and performing, performance anxiety. And it's like, why did I choose this <laughs> career? <laughs> but I am here like throwing up while they're announcing my name to go on stage and you know I have to go sing with like TMI you do somehow I do but I guess it's the reward of getting to the other side like holy crap I did this you know and uh, I'm trying to imagine what that must be like like to grow up and not be able to eat in front of people like that affects especially as a kid yeah where like if you're eating it's probably because someone has made you food oh and it was all food I liked school it was always craft Dinner and Hot Dogs, which was, like, my go-to. <laughs> That's going to make me Knowing that I liked it, it was fun. It was just I didn't realize, and my parents didn't know either, that it was, like, maybe something I could get through with, like, a food therapist yeah. or something. But they didn't have that back then, you know? And that led to, even when I met my husband, we used to go on dates, and I would go in the bathroom and throw up, and he's like, why can't you eat? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just so nervous, you know? Isn't that nuts? So that was the million, one of the million reasons yeah. why I had to, like, go to personal development to kind of figure out all of my nervous system issues and it still comes up um anxiety but I just have my little tool belt of all the things that I need to do like today I I was crying but it was more like I got a rejection letter basically and it wasn't even the rejection it was like it was just a stacked up effect of rejection in the music industry that's like okay well I need to cry today which is fine and you didn't just cry. You cried in a very public way. <laughs> I, and it, Like, speak of authenticity. But it was, I probably wouldn't have done it if you didn't post yourself crying. I'm not kidding. Totally. Because I was like thinking of... <laughs> but I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. And and I only follow people that are positive. Like, one of my favorite people is Bird's Papaya, uh, Sarah Nicole. I just started following her. I don't know how I didn't know of her I don't know before. how. Yeah, she's unreal. I met her at um, Girl Talk Day that I did this year. <gasps> I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be up there. It was amazing. But I got to meet her. She's a huge inspiration. You have to go follow her. She's at Bird's Papaya, I think. And she's a body positive person. But she just talks about everything. Like, she'll literally say, like, I didn't poop in three days. Like, she'll talk about anything. And I love it. And and that inspired me, too, to to today to just say, screw it. A lot of people in the music industry don't talk about um, being an independent artist and Mm -hmm. how hard it is when you feel like, no one's there to help you. You have to have five to ten jobs trying to, you know, pay for an album that costs like $50,000. And you do all these gigs. I've been performing for ten years. And I have a corporate cover band where I make money. But it's also soul-sucking because mm-hmm. we play covers. And I, I don't want to do it anymore. But 
you don't usually get paid for original gigs. You're paying your players to play with you. So all of this kind of money mindset just made me cry today because I'm just like, I need freaking money. And it was a rejection letter from a grant that would have totally helped. Changed it would have paid everything. to go to radio with the song. It would have paid for my publicist. It would have paid for the entire album, all the players, to print merch, to print CDs. Yeah. So now I have to, you know, it'll come go somehow. Go back to the drawing board. Go, go back. And I know it'll come whatever, but people needed to hear that. Yeah. And there, I have so many artists that I follow and that follow me. And they need to know that they're not alone either because I've been doing it for 10 years on my own in my own basement thinking am I the only one with these issues does everyone have a uh, a rich family that is paying for this crap like I always god myself when I see people like doing so well I'm like oh, they must come from money oh like, yeah you know, like they have knows? many silver spoons but I don't yeah. and I luckily have a husband that is extremely supportive and we moved to Hamilton a year ago so that we would have like um, less mortgage payments yeah. and it like I've really hated I've hated living in Hamilton but because I have no friends and I'm just like stuck to my house basically but in the end it's so rewarding and I slightly appreciate it because I have gotten to just hammer it down yeah find myself in my personal development work through all that work through who I am as an artist and a singer and then create this album so like at the end of the day I didn't so really hammer town is that what they call it steel town steel town yeah. hammer town I mean it's great I don't think I've taken advantage of the greatness maybe <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't enjoyed it I mean yeah. I don't have family there my family's yeah. in PEI my friends are in Toronto like what am I doing in here oh, and how hard is it to make friends as an adult Oh, yeah. And especially it's when so you've been, hard. like, hurt by friends your whole life. You're like, I don't want friends. I don't need friends. Yo, trust issues galore. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you have your hubby. I mean, I get some – Toronto's a great city, but it's expensive as fuck. Yeah. And, like, we're in a shoebox right now, but mm -hmm. we both walk to work, so we love it, but we're on top of each other, which is not great yeah. for our relationship. So, like, we really should move. But then we're looking. We're like, this is why people move out of the city because you kind of have to decide, like, do I get what I want and be completely house poor or do I move out of the city and then mm -hmm. can still live my life? And in yeah. your instance, it's making music and doing yeah. what you love. Being alone was, it was a huge blessing. And, and so I have to be thankful for that. But, and we moved, one of the main other reasons we moved to Hamilton, it was like, we wanted a yard and a driveway yeah. and a house. And it, yeah, you have to say, do I want to live in a shoebox in this most amazing city? Cause I yeah. freaking love Toronto and yeah. I miss it so much. Or do you want a, a bigger house in a city where you have no friends? You'll be <laughs> I'm already travel. moving. We're it's been five years. We're we're doing something else. Oh, now okay, anyways, so okay, that's okay. exciting. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm just I'm so curious about how you got from all the kind of food insecurities. I guess food nervousness. I don't know what you mm -hmm. call that. Like food. Well, it it was just a food, and then it was also performance. Yeah. It's social anxiety. It's just anxiety. I think. In Interesting life. that it was so tied to food. Yeah. Because I'm sure that. I don't know if people wondered if maybe you had some type of eating disorder growing up, but you're like, oh, really? for no, sure. I'm just nervous. I like my food. I just need it in my quiet time. They would have had to. And I also have really bad stomach issues, irritable bowel syndrome. And I think that a part of it was that everything, yeah. everything I eat, it, my body just rejects. Like I can't eat anything raw. I can't eat salad. I can't eat protein powders, green powders, eggs, like anything that has high in protein or high yeah. in fiber. My body's just like, no. How did you figure that out? Because I feel like I, IBS is one of those um, diagnoses that mm -hmm. is a blanket diagnosis, but there's mm -hmm. not like a real yeah. definition of it. And every single person's IBS story is different. Oh, yeah. Yet 
the uncomfortableness of it is very, very real, very, yeah. very physical. And I have all the opposite symptoms of most IBS sufferers. So most people go on this thing called the FODMAP diet yeah. and it's whatever. It's a lot of food on there and I can eat literally the opposite of that. So I've gone to every darn doctor in Ontario and in PEI and nobody knows what the heck is wrong with me. So I just had to figure it out on my own. And that is just, I can't eat anything raw. I can't eat salads, which like people would be like, oh, it's nice to just eat pizza all the time, but it's not. Like, no, it's <laughs> great. Yo, good salads are really, really, really oh, good. I just want that crunch. <laughs> so, so sometimes how, I do. And how then are I get you sick. now? Like, are you able, are you more comfortable eating with people? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's much different now. I mean, I think it's, getting over anxiety in general and, and getting that tool tool belt of personal development has helped just in all areas of my life yeah um especially performance especially social anxiety I mean it's just a never-ending journey though people are like how'd you get over it and I'm like you know it still pops up you know you can have a panic attack at any time and sometimes it comes out of nowhere yeah even if you're prepared even if you've used every tool in your toolbox yes yeah. which is scary to tell people because they think, oh, she's she's over it. She's got it figured out. But you don't really ever have it figured out, unfortunately. I think the mental health journey and the self-love journey are two journeys in particular that are never-ending. Never-ending. And I don't think that's a bad thing either. Because you constantly have to check in with yourself. Yeah. To like see how you're doing and to see how that story is unfolding. But it's not an easy one for sure. And if people think you've got it figured out, then that probably means you're just putting out to the world that you're doing all right. But which is why I like sharing things like I did today yeah. where it's like I don't have shit figured out I don't have it all figured out I'm trying to learn as much as I can and I'll share what I've learned yeah. um, but I don't have it all figured out and um, you're talking about love yourself my next it's not a plug but my Do next it, my next <laughs> we should definitely be talking about <laughs> my next song is called love yourself and I it's honestly the best song I've ever written and I'm just so passionate about it. It's not out yet. It'll be out with the album um, September 13th. Check <laughs> and it, check it. Yeah. And it is exactly about that, like the self-love journey. And I that's a whole other journey that yeah. I and everybody go through. And I've come to a place now where well, I started with really, really bad acne. Mm -hmm. And that that's what just totally plummeted my you know, self-confidence. And it was just full cystic acne. And I was in hiding I mean being in Hamilton was perfect because I didn't get I didn't have to see anybody yeah. and so I was just at home like totally suffering totally my self-talk was horrible I'd look in the mirror and just say like I hate myself like why do you look like this you have a bunch of sores all over your face and so that was a journey it was not going away so I had mm -hmm. to somehow love myself without you know without loving judging yourself. without judging myself and without you know caring about what I looked like however I turned that into working out a ton, which seems like a good thing, but it's not because I was doing it too much. Like mm -hmm. I would do it twice a day or wake up at five, four a.m. when I had a whole day of work after because that was one thing I could control. Yeah. So I couldn't control my face, but I could control having an amazing body. But it was all based around looks and materialistic things. And so once I, you know, figured out what was wrong with my face and my acne and my hormones, then I kind of stopped, I didn't fully stop going to the gym, but I realized why I was going to the gym. And I think that's something interesting that people don't really think about for me, because I've gone on this journey of learning to love myself the way I am. I don't need a six pack. <laughs> I really don't. And it's impossible to keep. I've realized one bloated day 
and all of the work I've done for six months is, is gone. Also, you want to have a cocktail? You want to have some nachos one night? Bye-bye. Yeah, and I'm not saying don't work out because yeah. I do. I But I found things that I enjoyed instead of lifting crazy weight to try and get that you know, muscle or that look for me, I have more cellulite now than I've ever had. And I'm, you know, probably 15 pounds heavier than my quote unquote ideal weight, but I'm way happier. And it's not about proving anything to anybody. Like who do I, I don't care what that person thinks of me because they're worried more about themselves. Oh yeah. They are not looking at me or judging me. And if they do, I don't give a crap what their opinion is. It's amazing that you, you've been through so many cycles. Yeah. Like the wild, wild fitness days. Yeah. Where like if you transport yourself back to that time mm-hmm. when you had your six pack and you're working out, you know, next level. Mm-hmm. Did you love yourself in that state um, to the same or lesser degree than you do now at a different shape? Oh, God. No, I didn't love myself then. I thought it was cool that you yeah. could like t- you can change your body if you want to. But I also was looking at the big mirrors at the gym and just staring at my face the whole time with my acne. So working out. So you didn't out, even see no. all the amazing progress that your no. body was doing for you. Not really. No. And I was also in the world of Instagram where it was kind of when Instagram blew up the most. And I was only following Australian swimsuit models. <laughs> oh, we've all been there. Oh, my God. I have since unfollowed all of them. But that gets to you. And that makes you think that you need to look like that. So I was also, you know, posing on the beach with a bikini, which is like totally not me. Like, I don't mean just a bikini. I mean, like trying to, you know, you know, do that pose. Oh, yeah. Get that pose. Yeah. Like get that pose. Perfect. Yeah. And then facetune it after. Mm. And and anyways, that was a huge part of caring a lot about yeah. what I looked like for the Instagram world. And then one day I just posted a picture with a face full of acne on Instagram. And I was like. I've been lying. <laughs> this is what I actually look like. Um, and I was like, well, I'm probably going to lose a lot of freaking followers. And it was a complete opposite. People were like, we love this alley 10,000 times more. Please tell us more about your journey yeah. of even getting to that point. And from that point, it was like a full turning point where I could just be myself. How scared were you to post? <clears throat> well, I was at the gym. <laughs> I was at the gym and I had a huge vulnerability hangover and that happens a lot. A vulnerability hangover. I've never heard that term. And I had it today too. So as soon as you press publish on something that you've kind of poured your heart into, you're like, wow, this could go sideways or this Mm. could go good. And I've had some sideways ones, not from the public, but from family members. Yeah. Where I'm being super honest about things, like I don't drink anymore, which, oh my God, I've really been through like so many different journeys. <laughs> they all kind of tie in together though. Um, I don't drink anymore. It's been like over a year and a half and I've, I just, you know, it was hard for my family members because I didn't tell them that mm-hmm. I was kind of like, it wasn't that I was struggling with alcohol. It was that I was using alcohol as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. to mask all of these issues that we're just talking about. Yeah. And I use the word sober, which technically I am. And it it just didn't sit well with my family because they're like, wow, we didn't know you had all these issues. And and (laughs) it's such a tough subject even to still talk about because so many people struggle with it in such a deeper way. So it's hard for me to tiptoe around like what the proper words are. But I do think that it doesn't matter what degree of struggle you have with 
whether it's a substance or Mm -hmm. another coping mechanism or going to the gym too much or whatever it may be every struggle has value and the fact that you can like own up to it and face it Mm -hmm. and make the decision to kind of move forward from it like don't ever let anybody take that away from you because that's not it's not an easy thing like to be sober whether you struggle with addiction hardcore whether it's just a bad coping mechanism Mm -hmm. like wherever you fall in that spectrum it's not an easy thing to cut out especially in the industry you work in especially in the city that we live in where there's constantly social engagements and concerts and there's alcohol everywhere you look like that's something you probably have to make a conscious choice every time you go out and it's offensive to my friends in in their minds right because they are living this Toronto lifestyle and this bartender lifestyle or this industry lifestyle and for me to say you know I had an issue when they drink the same amount as me it's it's hard too right right because it's it's so normal and it's actually like required sometimes to have shots before you go on stage and I needed two shots of Jack and a cider before I sang a note ever because that was going to get me, give me a little, um, a little stage presence. Yeah, liquid courage and stage presence. I felt like I couldn't have a personality with alco- without alcohol, which is still like social anxiety. I mean, we love having a drink in our hand yeah. when we're in a social setting. If I need something in my hand, I, j- I definitely will have alcohol, but it's something that now and then I think about. And if I am doing too many social engagements and I check in with myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, I drank almost every single night this week like maybe not to the point of getting drunk but I'm still consuming alcohol every time I go to one of these engagements then I started like ordering soda water with a lime slice because then I'm like maybe people won't know that I'm just having soda water (laughs) because then you start getting looks like why aren't you having a drink I never see you anymore let's have a drink and it really is such a normalized thing especially I find in Toronto oh for sure like more than other cities because there's so many industry events happening you could be out every night if you wanted to a hundred percent yeah. But like I'm 30 now, I can't do that. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm just I'm tired all the time. I'm 30 next year. So oh, I'm right there with you. Oh gosh, it's a fun. How do you feel actually being 29? 29 hit me harder than <coughs> 30 for some reason. 30, I'm actually quite well, you enjoying. Know, I put 30 on a pedestal, and I wanted to accomplish certain things by 30. And it was when I was 28, I realized, holy shit, 30's coming. Yeah. And I had to totally change my mindset. I had to. F- give myself grace that my journey is taking way longer than I expected and it's taking a completely different route than I expected but it's a completely amazing way better route than I could have ever been at at 19 and 20 so I have to give myself grace that I'm turning (laughs) 30 and you know I am not signed to a record deal yet but I don't know if I even want a record deal anymore because the way I'm going with mindful music and bringing like mental health and speaking into my music maybe that's not even the right thing that I should be doing so I've kind of had to change all my goals and change my timelines on things so for me 30 I feel like it's going to be the best year 29 I I literally turned 29 next last week and I went to Canada's Wonderland and happy birthday (laughs) I'm still a child oh yeah I mean we're both in we both are wearing probably yeah. these are the shoes I wore when I was like 16. Yep. So stage presence wise now that you've been sober for a year and a half, do you feel like you've got that? You feel like, do you feel confident in your personality? Yeah. It had to take a bit. It took a bit. Yeah. For sure. Because I was like, who am I without alcohol? Um, but it also changed. I stopped writing songs about partying. I stopped writing songs about breakups because I'm happily married. You know, like I was doing all of the things that I thought that the industry wanted me to do and write 
hit songs about you know partying and that's just not me anymore so I had to completely change me as a person and me as a musician that's kind of how I fell into mindful music and conscious country because I was just writing about what was going on and that was all of these personal development journeys and it was my journals of this is what I've been going through this is what I've learned I try and put a positive spin on everything because otherwise it would just be a depressive album (laughs) so it's called the basement sessions what I've learned so far so it's literally just the lessons that I've learned and kind of empowerment songs and I write it in real time so my song that's out right now take your power back I wrote on the way home from girl talk because that event is obviously so inspiring that was not that long ago. I know. So you just wrote that on the way home? <laughs> and then we record, because my husband does all the recording, so we just recorded it, you know, the next week. And, you know, it takes a bit longer than that. But Yeah. And then Love Yourself, I wrote, I listened to a podcast, and it was this guy talking about loving yourself. And I was just like, yes, people need to hear that message. But people heal, I've realized, in such different ways. And for me, it's music, but it's also podcasts and it's also books and it's also Instagram when you're following the right people Mm -hmm. so if I can be like one of those mediums of healing through music then like that's exactly what I want and we all know the power of music yeah like music you can cry to it you can dance to it you can feel to it you can love to it Mm -hmm. and you can heal to it yeah and I love those I love those terms mindful music I've heard mindful eating, yeah. mindful meditation. I'm like, there's no mindful music. But mindful music and I'm conscious country. And I feel like country music, and I'm not an expert on country music by any means, but I feel like as, oh, this is probably bad if there's hardcore country fans in there. <laughs> but like for me, when I hear like top country songs, know, like country know, songs that, that switch genres and make it to like the top 40, it's a lot about love and it's mm-hmm. a lot about breakups mm-hmm. and it's a lot about like, hometown love and where you're from which is all amazing great themes to sing to yeah there's a time and a place and people love that stuff but I feel like I haven't really heard that many songs about self-love and taking your power back Mm -hmm. and being open about anxiety on sunny days like things like that like I, I feel like we haven't heard enough of that yet in the country genre pop definitely does it hip-hop's kind of headed in that direction but Mm -hmm. countries is like beautiful untapped market yeah and I have to kind of give myself I know I'm using this word again give myself grace because I'm kind of creating a a new genre and so I might not get a hit quote-unquote at radio for the next while until it starts catching on because like you said country music might not be fully ready for it yet you know, talking vulnerably about things. I mean, I think the world is completely jumping on these days of yeah. like becoming more open, which is amazing. I think it's perfect timing for it. So we'll see. Like, I'm just. Tra- I mean, you're I'm doing tra- it. You're I know. I'm trucking out. <laughs> I'm trucking along, and I'm happy that I'm I'm not like everybody else. Yeah. And it makes me push so much so much harder. And unfortunately, in the industry, like I've gotten so many comments of people being like, "You know, you're not going to make it. You're a blonde country singer." And you're almost 30. What gives people (laughs) the right to say things like that? I will never Mm -hmm. understand. Like, that's not criticism. That's That's not helpful. That's not going to get you motivated to go do better music. Like, that's just, those are people just putting up massive roadblocks and being like, you're past your prime. Yeah. I was told when I was 19, if I didn't make it by 19, I wasn't going to make it. And here I am almost 30, (laughs) like just putting music out now. Yeah, it's crazy. People need to 
look age old saying <laughs> but like if you don't have anything nice to say don't say no. anything at all and there was a time and a place for criticism and feedback but people just shutting people's down dreams down like that it's just mm-hmm. it's unnecessary and you need obviously extremely thick skin to be in this industry and thankfully i do and then but you also have to be super confident and i wasn't confident in my message for like 10 years Mm -hmm. so that was something that i would let people skew the direction that i should be going with things and that's very common for for artists you know you have one person telling you this so you do that you have one person telling you this so you do that especially like a record label if you have someone telling you you need like that screws your whole career you know people making comments about what you should wear how your hair looks how sexy you are on stage so i'd rather just i got that over with in my 20s by myself yeah developed the shit out of myself and so now i'm 29 and just like ready to hit the pavement never been more ready i mean you're hitting the pavement at a place in your life where you've already lived so many lives Mm -hmm. and you've been through so much that you probably have the arsenal in your back pocket to be like i can get through anything and now you're putting music out that is so honest so raw so real still uplifting Mm -hmm. and will probably connect with a larger audience on such a more innate level Mm -hmm. because those are all topics that people feel i mean i feel like i can only speak on my on my personal experience but like those are things that i like talking about those are things i like talking about openly and in a way that doesn't isn't surrounded by shame and stigma absolutely that's exactly what it is and i've realized that just being vulnerable in general sets you free for one and which is why i posted that thing today because i was like i need to get this shit off my chest yeah and also it creates such community with people who feel so alone. Like the messages I got from when I posted about my acne, it wasn't like, Oh, I have acne too. It was like, I had my arm amputated and I've been self-conscious. Like it was all ends of the spectrum. People being like your little issue made my little or big issue. Like, come to light for me and maybe start to get over it. Or even just girls who are scared to go to the grocery store without makeup like it me having acne showed them oh wow i actually have a flawless face you know so it's i don't know how do you feel knowing that you connect with people in this way like by being so real like you're it's not even like what you're doing is not mind-blowing like you're just being real and authentic and it's so refreshing but it's so refreshing because especially in social media and the music industry and the tv industry too like so much of what we see is not real Mm -hmm. it's like wildly enhanced versions of our real selves totally. with a lot of makeup a lot of filters some stylists in there good lighting totally and sometimes i feel when i when i post too many actual like photo shoot photos i'm yeah. like oh god i need to post something real here yeah. because this is not me and you can tell the engagement is not good they're like we need some real shit here ali you know? <laughs> give us something good but like you said it's not mind-blowing and sometimes i feel silly like feeling like i have a cape on my back but i really don't Mm -hmm. like i'm just like talking about my life but apparently a lot of people are scared to talk about their life openly so if i can just you know talk about a few little things here and there that makes someone feel less alone like might as well i can't believe you're only 29 like so much (laughs) wisdom really yes so much i made a mission of mine to listen to as many i'm obsessed with interviews so i just listen 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 to podcasts anything oprah puts out i just soak the crap out of it and i'm like if i can get as much wisdom from people who are learning things in their 60s 70s 80s and i can learn that now like oprah said something oh with meredith where it was like i wasted so much time worrying about my weight like 
in my 20s i don't i want to learn this crap now i don't want to learn it when i'm 40 and start becoming my best self in my 40s 50s 60s i want to do it now because I might not get there. Oh, yeah. When you're referencing Meredith Shaw's podcast episode, check it out. But when she said that quote about Oprah and just like all the time, I don't remember what the quote was, but like all the time she'd wasted worrying about her body, worrying yeah. about how much like what she looked like and all the things she could have done with that time. To me, that was a light bulb moment, too. And I was just like, holy shit, like the amount of time I've spent worrying, doing negative self-talk just like that is time wasted that we could be doing on such better things and i don't know about you but i like i got big dreams i got a lot i want to accomplish in this life i need all the time i can get it's so true it's just and me just perusing instagram like feeling crap about myself how many hours how many years did i do that for i don't want to know i don't know (laughs) now your iphone freaking tells you now which is horrible but i know that that hit me hard totally it's like just love your body the way it is treat it properly like treat it with kindness yes and my song love yourself is literally that you have one body one face one life why would you spend your entire life hating on it and putting it down it just doesn't make sense and i think that it's it comes down to the fact that we put so much value on the way that we look and we have to remind ourselves that we are valuable not solely because of what we look like and definitely not the most important thing about us is the way we look like it's not how we all. feel it's how we treat other people it's our dreams it's how we operate in the world but we do, i mean that's like we got to do a whole societal <laughs> change to get I that know. kind of fixed but, but i love the changes that are happening yeah and there are changes i feel it like even the fact that we're having this conversation we literally just met i'm like this is a good thing this yeah. is a good thing because there's people out there that want to talk and for people that are listening that feel like they don't they're not in that community i still feel like i'm not in that community sometimes but you just put yourself in it listen to this podcast listen to other podcasts go to events like there are events and if there's not there's probably webinars places also if you have really bad social anxiety and you don't want to go to the events just try going (laughs) for 15 minutes put it put a timer on your phone Mm -hmm. i put a one hour timer on my Mm -hmm. phone when i go to events and if i can hit that 60 minute mark i feel really accomplished and then i can leave feeling like I did something great. So just do whatever you got to do to get out there. That's a great idea. I was um, performing at this event for, okay, we're talking about podcasts. I don't know how much time we have here, but this is just a couple of minutes, couple yeah. minutes. I actually want to hear the, like some of the podcasts that have yeah, impacted so you. In the beginning of my personal development journey, I heard about this thing called podcasts and I was like, <laughs> everybody's talking about it. So I went and I typed in how to be happy. And obviously I wasn't in a very good place. And I came across this woman, Lori Harder, and she turned into my God, literally. She spoke her truth so vulnerably, but also I feel like you can hear the same message 10 million times, but if it's delivered by the person Mm -hmm. that you soak it in, it just, it soaks in to you properly. And she was the right person for me. And long story short, she's totally changed my personal development journey. And I manifest, this is the first thing I really freaking manifested, but I was like, I need to be best friends with this girl. She's this big, like author speaker in California. It's like, I need to be best friends with her and I'm going to speak and perform at her event. And I sent her my first song, not thinking anything. I had one song out, no reputation. She loved it. And then asked me to sing at her event in California. That's nuts. (laughs) Right? I'm not speechless very often. (laughs) But what? Yeah, like we were obviously just meant to be on the same path. Oh my God, I'm covered in goosebumps. Yeah, nuts. 
Yes. Like things happen in life for a reason, yeah. but you got to be an active participant. And you were an active participant by like listening to her, learning about her and then putting it out in the world. And then you put out a song and sent it to her. Like that took courage. And she's got hundreds of thousands. Like why would she even reply to me for one? But she did. And she listened to it. You know how hard it is to get someone to actually listen to a song? And she did. And then she, like, it's nuts. It's nuts. What was that experience like? Well, like going to California is just amazing anyways. And then performing. I said I wanted to be a part of events like this. Women's events. Just positive events. Mm-hmm. And, and start to get into this uh, space. Yeah. And that was my goal uh, for the last few years. And to finally be there. it I was on stage like speechless but I'm supposed to be singing it's like this but the first night was just like a cocktail whatever and I've never been so nervous in my life like social anxiety I didn't even want to leave the room because I was like I don't know a single person so this is kind of coming around to social anxiety too I didn't know a single person thought no one was gonna know who I was who's this girl that she's singing we don't know who she is Mm -hmm. complete opposite I went in with a horrible mindset but it ended up being the most incredible so if there's events like that, women's events, everyone there is petrified, for one. Everyone has social anxiety. Well, so I guess some people are unicorns yeah. and they don't. But we're all in the same place. Like, we're all in this together. We all have the same struggles. I can't wait to Google this woman. Oh, yeah. You have to. She's my dream. Like, best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will. I mean, you guys are definitely going to – you guys, you got to keep it up. You got to yeah. keep it up. Yeah, for sure. And I'm – there's – I mean, just podcasts in general, it can lead you to maybe you connect with me. Maybe you don't. Maybe connect with Meredith. Yeah. Maybe you don't. So it's like podcasts. Hers is number one. Lori Harder. Go check her out. Okay, done. That's my night. That's yeah. my night. Oh, yeah. Okay, when does your when does your new music come out as a package? September, yeah. you mentioned? Yeah. So I've been putting out one song every month, which is extremely ambitious of me. <laughs> but I did it, and, and I'm done. Like, this, the last song is out, and the album's out in September. So then it's like go time I and guess. it's tour time yeah and then hopefully you'll be on the red couch with me for e-talk and we can talk purely about your music yes we're manifesting it right here yeah i mean e-talk loves you you've been on our show event which is like also mind-blowing we love canadian talent like genuine like we really really like it's a very it's a very proudly canadian show I especially was, with musicians i feel musicians there's like a lot of love for what is happening i was like shocked humbled everything so thank you, E-Talk. It was a great segment. It was a great segment. <laughs> this is not an E-Talk podcast. No. Um, okay, before I let you go, because I could probably chat with you forever, um, I always end every podcast by asking the person what healthy is hot means to them. It's not just going to the gym. It's taking care of your mental health. It's always learning with the podcast, with the books. It's learning to love your body even if you you know can't make it to the gym and you just do yoga once a week just moving your body a little bit healthy is hot is just feeling hot in your body and knowing that you're taking care of it as best as you can i'm so happy you're here <laughs> like, did you come all the way from hamilton for this yeah oh my goodness That's okay so is your hubby somewhere yeah he's eating or sleeping <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. so a huge shout out to everyone in our support system yes. for like making it possible oh, for all of us to be where we need to be yes i would not be anywhere he just wanted to come and like be on the ride with me. Oh my god, he should have come in. I could have brought a third microphone out. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, amazing. Definitely go check out Ali's music and September 13th. We're all counting down, girl. And just like that, another episode of the Healthiest Hot Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. 
So if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week.